Okay, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Your List, My Command. Um, so we are here one more time for Derek to make me watch a movie. So as we mentioned last time, he is making me watch 1975's The Stepford Wives. This feels like a Derek movie. Like, this is no surprise that you put this. Um, so my background on this is that I find it interesting because I, I had this thought that I don't think you can possibly come into this movie blind. It's not possible. Even, huh. if, even if you haven't seen any versions, right? I've seen the Nicole Kidman version with Matthew Broderick, I think, is in that. I saw that yes. in the theaters. But the idea of a Stepford wife is so ingrained in our cultural consciousness that, like, you know exactly what you're getting into, even if you don't know what you're getting into. Right. Um, it is one that, you know, even growing up as, as a kid, right, in the 90s, you would hear someone say something like, well, she's acting like a, a Stepford or a Stepford wife, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it, like you were saying, it's entered into, uh, you know, the, the dialogue of what we use to describe someone who is, uh, you know, uh, the perfect wife, right? The perfect spouse who is uh, kind of going to meet those, old like Norman Rockwell painting kind of ideas of a spouse with the apron and the apple pie uh, sitting on the windowsill, cleaning the kids' faces, uh, waiting for her husband who's worked incredibly hard to provide for them to come home and, you know, to, to treat them to it, to a night and around the table. Yeah. Like that's what we know. And not to mention like perfectly made up, no flaws, like, right. you know, um, sexually aggressive, like all of those things, all right. Like something that, no human could manage on on a regular basis, right? To do, do we even consider that. that perfect? Do we consider that this the is, idea of perfection or not? Oh God, I don't. This is fucking horrifying. Like this, this movie is <laughs> truly, truly horrifying. Like, so I am very angry because um, I'm on a run of like you picking really good movies for me. Um, hmm. Hmm. Although to be fair, I came up with the list, Look so really there. I should be thanking myself. Because uh, I'm the one who came up with the list. So good job, Dave. Um, I, I assume you're just picking these at random, and I just keep winning uh, because I made a good it's a self pat. That's right. That's right. Can't, you job. can't give credit without providing it for yourself. No, absolutely. Someone's got to do it. God damn it. <laughs> so, but I have, I guess, one complaint about this movie. Hmm. It's relatively minor, I guess. I think this movie needs a better director. I think it's a really. I think there's a lot of really obvious choices here. Um, because okay. the, cause putting myself in the space of like, okay, imagine not knowing what a Stepford wife is and watching this blind. I think, you know, 10 minutes into this movie, that's a fucking horror movie because every sound cue is like, it's, it's almost funny. Like every time something is supposed to like be off a little bit, there's almost a like, dun, dun, dun. Like, it's just very <laughs> like, okay. You know, the storm and the outside and I'm like, okay, like fucking pump the goddamn brakes. You know, right. like Brian Forbes, whoever the fuck you are, you need to relax because I think this movie is actually scarier if you don't see some of this stuff coming. Um, hmm. And I think everything is really, really telegraphed here. Um, and that's all directorial choices. Like, I think the performances are spot on. I think Catherine Ross is great in this movie. And Catherine Ross is someone who's known for being in another movie that is a kind of titan of cinema, right? The Graduate. Like Absolutely. That's, that's one of, you know, always seen as one of the greatest. One of my, it's one of my all-time favorites. Right. Yeah. And always seen at least in terms of American film, like one of the greatest ever. Top 25 ever made. Like Graduate is always on that list for good reason. It's great. Um, but I think she's better here. 
than mm. there. Because of course yeah. that movie is really all about um, uh, all about Anne Bancroft uh, more than it is Catherine Ross. Like Catherine Ross plays a very important part in that movie, but she's not the standout. She's not the one in the spotlight for that movie. Right. Uh, but she really is here. Like it is her story. We are following her throughout. Um, and but I also think in terms of direction, it does some really interesting things, especially as far as costuming. Right. Because they they could have done the thing where it's like, OK, once you're a stepford wife, you're sexy. And before that, you're kind of like frumpy or like you're not. Yeah. You know, but that's not what they do here. Instead, they have, you know, you're kind of two lead characters, uh, Catherine Ross and Paula Prentice. Like it's very clearly in the 1970s in the kind of midst of a little bit of a sexual revolution still going on. So it's like a lot of bare midriffs, a lot of tight clothing. But then once they go Stepford, then it's like everything is buttoned down, still sexualized, but Mm. quote unquote classy, right? And conservative. And I think that's a really interesting choice. I like that they didn't go the easy way and have them – you know, dress in a way where it's like, oh, not sexualized at all. So when they become a sexualized Stepford wife, it's so much more noticeable. They do something a little bit more subtle than that, which I really dug. Well, so the the writer, um, William Goldman, right? Like that, from what I was... Pretty, know, I pretty great screenwriter. He's all right. There you go. Yeah. He, I think that was the original establishment was mm-hmm. that they were supposed to wear... Um, like like Playboy Bunny, um, like similar Playboy Bunny outfits when they had been, you know, or when the Stepford versions of them right. had kind of uh, you know been introduced. And I think the director um, cast his wife for one of the wives, and that's what changed everything. That's when it was decided. <laughs> you're not that wearing we're, that. No, no, you're not wearing that. <laughs> I th- and what's funny is here's what's even you know more insulting. He, you know, the director himself, Brian Forbes, it wasn't him that said, well, I don't want my wife, you know, dressing this scantily clad outfit. It was actually the, the screenwriter himself uh, who said, uh, you don't really look the part. Oh, <laughs> so oh my. I, I, you, know, you can imagine, you know, these these two, um, you know, middle aged white guys who are making determination of what you know, sexy outfit that you know, one of their, their wives should actually be wearing. You have that actually going on in the background. And then they determined to kind of go in the direction that you had that you had mentioned, and I do think that's a much better choice because of the contrast, right? Right. Like you have that fighting or battling against this second wave of feminism that is about being very, you know, making these these very free decisions about how you want to display your body, your voice, um, what you want out of your life, your career, what does sex look like, right? Like we're mm-hmm. only a couple of years removed from from deep throat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have these particular dialogues um and you could often probably even tell where a woman was on that that kind of discussion based on how she was dressed right and so you have this very different display with Catherine Ross's character where you're right. It's like she's not even wearing a bra uh, mm-hmm. half of the movie. Not not that I was no complaints. Too, too, I wasn't too invested in that, but, you, you know, it was there. <laughs> and by contrast, you have these these other women who are wearing these, these you know, like like you're saying, these very like 70s dresses that are that are kind of floral. And they they always have <laughs> they always have. um what is that that you wear in the kitchen, Dave, when you're cooking? What's that called? An apron? An apron? Yes. Uh, you know, you, you cook, don't cook, man. I don't so I listen, understand. In, in my house, none of us, neither one of us cook, right? So we're <laughs> no step for uh, going on here. Actually, <laughs> that brings me to a, to a particular point that I was just thinking about. <laughs> now, I won't say anything that, that uh, gets me divorced tomorrow, I don't think. But we were, we were, you and I were texting earlier about what time we wanted to record. 
um, for this particular episode. And so this uh, is where you, know, you put I'd me say, on blast for being a complete asshole. Yeah, there we okay, go. All right, go well, on. yeah. Look, here's the funny thing. I said, well, I can I can record um, when my wife gets gets done with work. She has a couple of appointments left, and I had forgotten that she actually finished a little earlier today. However, she'd finished earlier today because she had her own facial appointment, mm. and so that left me with with the kiddo. And I couldn't stop thinking about like, you know what? If I were one of those husbands in this movie, I'd get to record it. This would never happen. To. This would <laughs> never have happened. A face, you wouldn't need a facial because you already would have been. Because you're a goddamn meal. robot. That's <laughs> I, you're you're a robot. Yeah, you know, here to fulfill my every desire and need. But instead, you have me rearing the children <laughs> while you go gallivanting around the town, getting things you know added and poked into your face. And so. <laughs> Yeah, this movie speaks to me on a different level. Yes. I don't know about you. Yes, absolutely. One of the things I guess, like, I forgot, like, was it, and of course, like anything else, the remake of this goes way beyond what this movie does, like, in terms of choices they make, like, because, you know, these Stepford Wives, we find out, are essentially robots, right? They're, they're built. And in that version, like, I don't know, at some point, I think part of the face comes off and you see the, like, exoskeleton underneath and it's very dramatic. But I had forgotten that that's what it was, like, as, as opposed to, like, brainwashing, that type of thing. Yes. So that sequence where she essentially stabs her best friend uh, is truly horrifying. Like, we talked the last episode, interestingly, about Akira, like, moving into body horror. And this does, mm. too. Right. This is I mean, this is literally um, in some ways about not having control over yourself. Right. Being taken away and changed as I, as I was watching this, I just kept thinking about this. And I think it's almost more horrifying that there was no there was no extra like that scene that she stabs her and like kind of nothing happens. Right. There's no. You know, she's not like leaking radiator fluid or, you know, or it's not the actual body. So it's not blood. Instead, it's like it's a literally an empty vessel, um, which is actually exactly what these men have created. And I'm watching this like as a, you know, relatively modern, pretty liberal guy. And I'm watching this like literally like I am not exaggerating. This is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Like this really uh, like <laughs> upset me on a visceral level. Like I was just like I because I know um, that. Not only at that time, but now there are many men where this would be the perfect fantasy. And I watch this and I'm like, this is hideous. Like, this is why did you why? Why did you bury this woman if you hate her so much? Like, because that's what this comes across is like, actually, I don't love you. I love you as something I own. um, As something I can control. And going back to our very first episode, right? The cook, the thief, his wife and her lover. That guy's a monster, and that's how he views his wife, right? So I'm watching this, like, just the whole time thinking, like, run, get out of there. Hmm. Just just right. go, leave that, take your kids and leave. And, of course, by the end of the movie, you really feel that, and so does she. But, like, from the very beginning, and a lot of this, of course, comes from being a little modern and, like, dare I say, like, certainly more enlightened than men in 1975, and just, like, if I'm going to... You know, as we've talked about before, I'm divorced, right? If I'm going to get married again, it's going to be because I, at the very least, like this woman and like who she is and not purely – and the physical stuff, of course, is important in any relationship. But if it's just the physical, like why are you you living with this person? If it's all you want is – I mean, and it becomes this weird thing of like you want a – 
something that you sexually desire and also weirdly like a mommy and it's so fucking creepy like because it's basically just like i've had a hard day and i want you to cater to my every need and i'm like all right yeah that's a that's a maternal relationship that you're fucking that's gross like i i have issues with this going dark i mean tell me i'm wrong but i mean no no you're I'll say this, this film, especially because in my mind, I I think it could be um, misinterpreted as a film that would would be something that would be championing this very idea, Mm -hmm. right? Like we see that, you know, just like when the film came out, you had feminists on both sides who, you know, were saying this is incredibly damaging, um, you know, this hurts the movement, uh, while you also had folks that would say, no, I think this this speaks to the problem that is native to the very foundation of how we view women in mm-hmm. our society. Yes. Right. Um, and so I, and I kind of tend to lean towards the latter or well, not just tend to, I mean, I, I kind of, I agree with the latter on that, but that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have some freaking incels on a forum that would say, man, I love Stepford wives because that would be my ideal partner. <laughs> right. One that could, I know. And it's, it's, it's freaking sick and disgusting and fucking lame quite honestly Mm -hmm. but it is one that i could see that be their their general takeaway it it really speaks to even though you know again we're not terribly far removed from 1975 in so many ways but just kind of understanding that you know that that you it's not just the, the men that would be living in you know stepford right like that would be a common dare I say a common kind of belief that like, okay, when I get married, I was brought up to, to understand that my wife needed to be someone who would, would present well, right. So be pretty and, um, would be articulate enough when she spoke, but giggly enough to go back into the kitchen. And, uh, she doesn't present me with any sort of issues or problems where I have to, um, to concede. We make, we've talked about this before, making concessions, you know, even the idea of that Catherine Ross had her own career, her, her own career interests, Mm -hmm. all of those things were inherent, um, threats to the decisions that her husband wanted to make very freely, right? Like he, he uproots their family and they move because he's already made the determination. Um, you know, he's, he's already picked the house and every, at every turn. And she even mentions this early on, you've already made a decision, but you're just kind of acting like you are including me in this. And the reality is he's thinking, well, yeah, I am. I can't believe she figured it out. Man, it'd be so great if she just didn't figure that stuff yeah, out. Yeah, I just wish she wasn't um, so smart. It would be great if I, she was just a pretty yeah. little robot that just did what she was told. Like that's it's, – it's, so you brought up this idea of how we're not that far removed from 1975. And I want to talk about that a little bit because this movie disturbed me on a lot of levels. Obviously, the kind of feminist aspect is the most major and the most on the surface. Um, but given what we've gone through in the last, I don't know, let's say six or seven years in this country, hmm. uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of make America great again in this movie. There's a lot of like, let's revert to the way things were, um, right. before in this case, before women had, you know, freedoms, whether you're talking about sexually, whether you're talking about being in the workplace, all these things, like let's go back to Stepford where the wife is in the home and the man goes out to work and she is, you know, she's like June Cleaver. Right. She's she's like attractive enough without being outwardly sexual to the world. Um, She takes care of me. That makes makes him look bad. Right. If if she is. Right. Exactly. It's always about me. Exactly. And then it hammers it home where it's like, oh, have you met the new neighbors? They're black. And that's like all they say about them. And I'm watching this like fucking mortified and not. And it would be very easy to be mortified by this movie and think it's silly 
And I think mm. if I had watched this pre-Donald Trump being president, I would be like, ah, well, that's ridiculous. That would never – but right. like you watch it now and you're like, yeah, that thought process, we're not that far removed from it. There is a large segment of the American population, as you kind of reference, that would watch this and be like, yeah, this sounds like a – this sounds like a fantasy come true. Whereas I watch this and I'm like, this is disgusting. And I hate the fact that there is some reality to this. Of course, it's a science fiction movie, right? It's like, sure. obviously we don't have the technology available to build life like robots, but the mindset, the mindset is there. And it's, it's really, truly, truly disturbing. Like, I wanted to laugh at this movie and I couldn't do it. And it was very frustrating in that way because I wanted to think this is nonsense. And yet mm. you watch it and you're like, yeah, I think I've met people like this. And that's – and and the worst part is there – all those people like this and this is true in real life and true in this movie is they're very – they present themselves very well, right? Mm. They say the right things. They do the right things. And then behind closed doors, they're absolute monsters. And this is – Derek, this is why you shouldn't hang out with white people. This is – it's a bad idea. <laughs> like we are – we are – Where am I going to go? We man? are – I know. Where am I going you got to leave the state, buddy. Like this is – or you got to go to certain areas of the state. Like Louisville might be okay for you. You know, a pretty, pretty major black community in Louisville. Like – but, you know, you still got the cops in Louisville. So, you know, that might not be so good. So are you saying so <laughs> you're, you're, you're basically – this is a call for – uh, segregation. I'm. This is a call. This I'm field. worried about you, Derek. As my friend, I am concerned for you. Uh, we are not to be trusted. Um, it's much like you know. We there's there's that old quote that like you know uh, you know a person is smart. People are dumb, scared animals. A hmm. white person can be okay, but like white people in mass, we are fucking dangerous, and we have proved this. Throughout history, like there is no arguing this fact. You're it's not getting you're better. You're losing all of our listeners. All of our listeners. <laughs> well, tell me I'm wrong then. Like, give give the other side of it. Give me you're the not, hot, look, give me the hot I, take. Wait, defend me, white people. Yes. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> How we devolved all the way here to dare defend all of the whites, all of them throughout history. <laughs> defend the colonizers, will you? This Man, is... I'm, I'm super super glad there wasn't a like a black husband. Throughout this throughout this film, he he has other issues to deal with than trying to turn his wife into necessarily an android. You, you did bring up a, a an interesting idea here when you said, "Okay, so are we that far removed from from seventy five uh, in the minds of so many of us that still kind of you know like we we're saying." If you were born in, uh, you know, 1980, uh, your parents were alive in the, in the 1970s, right? Like this, uh -huh. is, it's like one generation freaking removed. Like, yeah. Like my sisters, I have a sister who's born in 77. And so you have a friend born think, in 79. Just saying. Who? Me. <laughs> oh, you old bastard. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep. My dad um, was born in the 40s. So this is like. Same. Yeah. Same, yeah. So it's not that so far. We, I, and I think, and maybe you could speak to this um, as well. I, I don't want to, you know, cast any you know, kind of concepts about your father, but I know that for my dad, not necessarily that he would have turned my mother into an android, but he was still really connected with the ideas of specific gender roles in the home. And there would even be particular times in which he would take on some of those himself, right? Like the, 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 um, you know, running the vacuum cleaner or doing the dishes or things of that nature. That's inside the house. If right. we were outside uh, the it's house, different. my mm -hmm. mom's not, my mom's not mowing, uh, and raising his only son because um, I had three sisters, just me as the only son. I, I wasn't allowed to do dishes. Um, Interesting. I, I wasn't wow. because it was an inherently feminine 
activity. Interesting. Um, and my sisters weren't allowed to help mow, but I was. And so, do you do dishes now, like, or is your wife that unhappy? Like, are you? Are you um, <laughs> neither of us do dishes. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> no, uh, that that is that is the problem. There's a mound of them right now. Um, yeah, no, I yeah. So I have a much more kind of liberal take in general, uh, sure. but, uh, especially when it comes to. Uh, some of those roles, but I still find myself in certain moments when I'm like mowing and, um, uh, or I'll say something like, I don't feel like mowing today. And my wife will be like, well, I mean, if you want me to, and I know she doesn't want to, but she'll say, if you want me to, I mean, I, I mean, I'll get out there and I'll say, ha, no, I've got it. No, right? well then and I'm like, I, I'm like, yeah, come and I'm on. like right, but I'm like, why, why, why do I have it? Right. right? Like why? Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's still a residue of some of those things where I think it's my, it's my, my expectation, right? And so, uh, you know, when we talk about the present day, right? Like, there's ongoing conversations all the time about about um, artificial intelligence, uh, mm-hmm. about you know, uh, making robots, and about you know, even like some of those those like sex video games in which you know you're able to make whatever custom character you want, mm-hmm. things of that nature, and the the ethical concepts related right. to should you be allowed to recreate your um, next door neighbor's wife. Or mm. the person that you work with that you've never spoken to, but you pulled her picture off Facebook, and now you have superimposed that right. onto this or your character, ex girlfriend who hates you, or even Absolutely. even someone you don't know, like a like a celebrity. Like it's still a weird. Mm-hmm. There's a weird line there that's like, yeah, I don't. And also, like I've watched too many science fiction movies. I know eventually they're going to come sentient and fucking kill you. So I'm not, I'm not going down that road. That's, this is, this is not going to end well for anybody. Like, no, thank yes, you. Stepford Wives too. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so this, this will be, I find so, so interesting because, you know, you mentioned the idea of connecting it with your own family and your past. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. My, my father was very much like, and I think it probably changed when he had a daughter, very much this idea mm. of like, you can be whatever you want, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But on the other side of things, he was a Italian Catholic born in the 40s mm. and everything that comes along with that. And some of the things that right. come along with that is like just hating the idea of conflict in the home, right? Like just couldn't stand that. So that that bit of it as I'm watching this, like a man wanting his wife not necessarily be subservient, but just to like not start fights and not be mad at him. I could totally see that mm-hmm. process happening. And I'm yeah. just like, man, this is so fucking uncomfortable. Cause I think, I think, you know, at the most base level, I think there, there's a part of everyone, male or female that thinks they want the perfect spouse, right? The person sure, that gets along, sure. likes all the things that you like and wants to spend time with you and does everything that you want but I think the reality of that is is uh, just something you don't actually want. I think you think you do, mm. but then it's like, man, then you then literally like all the time is spent with them, and you don't you don't you end up not having a life. And I think human beings crave conflict. We because mm. com- with conflict comes growth, um, and the relationship sure. changes and grows, and sometimes it changes for the worse, and the relationship ends. But I've been in relationships where we have a huge fight. And then you come back from that and you grow from that and you end up feeling stronger and more bonded together. And I think there is a there is a powerful nature in that, um, in the way that we change and the way that we grow. Because if we don't, then we're just children, right? We just want – we're infants. We want what we – I mean you, you have a child. You know what that's like where it's like I want thing. 
give me thing. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to cry until you finally give in because my that high pierce high piercing scream will fucking end your life. Like that's, you know, that's what a toddler does. Right. And if you're going to be a human being, a fully formed human being who cares about people in their life, I cannot imagine having this set up for more than like a day. Like, I could see, like, a day of, like, you know, the quote-unquote perfect spouse. But after that, it's going to be, like, uh, this kind of sucks, actually. Like, this is this is boring. I know what's coming every day. I don't I don't like this. And, of course, watching this, there's obvious um, kind of modern parallels. Like, I, I did not realize how much Get Out lifted um, from the party scene here. I was yes. like, wow. Not in a way where I'm like, oh, this is thievery. Because it, it's definitely changing because it's more of the racial politics than it is the gender politics. But I was watching this. Like, even the scene where he's like, oh, why are you acting like this in public? Like, what, what's going on? And she's mm. malfunctioning. This fucking robot is dying. Um, which I think is the thing that threw me off in thinking maybe this was like a brainwashing thing because like, mm. of that sequence. But I was just watching this going like, oh, I have I have seen this recently. Um, I have definitely seen this scene before and it's, and it's just as disturbing in that movie as it is in this one. Um, and I kept waiting for this movie to fall apart, honestly, because sometimes you watch, especially genre film from anything older than 10 years ago, and they're going to try and do something special effects wise, or there's going to be something that doesn't hold up. But I really don't think that that happens here. Like, I, I think this movie, like, no. honestly, you could do a shot for shot remake of this movie, maybe just throw a cell phone in there here and there. And it's a hundred times better than the remake that they did. Why do you think, uh, you know, because I think a lot of films from the 1970s and, you know, of the horror genre specifically in this regard, uh, are on a lot of lists that are just outside of horror, right? Like folks mm-hmm. always talk about, you know, the original Halloween, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Omen, uh, The Exorcist. You have those films that are t- in this upper echelon mm-hmm. of horror and this one doesn't get mentioned very much. Yeah. And I and I wonder why. And even going back and watching it, I'm like, why why not this film? Right? Because it does check so many boxes. It takes the actual material, the source material based on the novel that I think had come out maybe four or five years prior. Um, it, it it treats it with a certain level of care. Right. Even if you like were the person that didn't like it, kind of like you were talking, like the they give you the cues every single time something's about to happen, right? You have some issues with the direction. You remove those things from it, and it's still a really great movie. It is. I, I, it's still a, I think it's still a really great movie, even with those, even with those faults. Yeah. It's still yeah. really good to great. Here's here's my theory, and why. Um, I think, and I I'm speaking from kind of experience because I just recently was on a podcast for Talk Film Society where I had to come up with the top 25 movies of all time. Right? No big deal. You know, real easy to sure. do. No problem. So I <laughs> could have, you could have done ten right, top ten. Yes. So I set myself with some rules. Okay, I'm going to. I'm not going to do any movies uh, where it's like, okay, if I pick um, 2001, I can't pick The Shining. And one director gets one spot of that 25, and I can't repeat. So if I if I love Vertigo, I can't put Psycho on this list, even if I mm. think that's still in the top 15 somewhere, the top 25. Sure. I'm not going to do that. And I think that that when people talk about that, there is that limitation that people put on this. And the reason I bring this up is you mentioned the book. This is written by Ira Levin, um, who, if you know your 1960s, 70s horror movies, also wrote a book that became Rosemary's Baby. Um, So, and yes, this is not as good of a movie as Rosemary's Baby. This is true. Rosemary's Baby is a classic of any genre. So I think it when you when you start. 
when you start saying things like, oh, it's, it's a lesser uh, film by this from this novelist, I think it starts to get denigrated further and further. Um, hmm. And so I think that's why it gets lost. And also, I don't think that there are any over dramatic wow moments in this movie that people are going to be like, remember that scene in blank? Like, it, for instance, right. Rosemary's Baby. Remember the scene where you find out that he's raping her in her sleep? You remember the scene where she finds out that her baby is the anti Antichrist, right? Remember in The Shining when the axe goes through the door? Like, there's no moments like this here, right? There's none of that. Like, I guess the only thing close is when she cracks her husband over the head. Um, and, you know, he pretty he pretty easily gives up where the family is. He's like, ah, oh, it's in the house. God, leave me alone. Stop hitting me. Um, which kind of makes sense because he is, like all these men, fucking weak. Um, weak. And yep. that's, like, yep. that's why they can't have women in their lives who are strong whatsoever, is that they're weak and they're tired and they just want someone to cater to their every need. And that's a perfect example of it. So it doesn't – so it is – for a movie that's about – Turning women into robotic sex slaves and and household slaves as well. Uh, like there's whole sequences about. Let me tell you about this great cleaning product. Like it's practically a, a commercial. Like let me. Oh man, if they they wouldn't even have to pay me. I would go on TV and talk about this. So it's very much that. Um, despite that, it's like a remarkably subtle movie in the way it deals with this stuff. Like it is not over the top in any way, and I think it gets denigrated because of that. And it shouldn't. Like this is. This is a movie that legitimately is going to stick with me, and it made me understand why the term Stepford Wife became such a big mm. part of the cultural lexicon. Because, like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I get the, you know, I get the gender politics right. of it. And I've seen the, the newer movie, so I get kind of what it's about. But why do people always talk about this? Like, is this a thing that comes up? And then you watch this, and you're like, okay, I get it. I get yeah. it now. I'm, I'm on yeah. board, for sure. And this is a movie I see myself rewatching, for sure. Um, when I want to fucking hate all men and uh, be terrified, uh, this will be a good movie. So you're going to watch on. it tonight. Yeah, you're yeah. probably going to watch it. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> well, right. Uh, well, I mean, to your point, I think I, you know, when we had spoken the other day um, about this upcoming re- recording, and I said, well, I've, I've watched Stepford Wives a couple months ago, but hey, I'm going to watch it again. And you're like, look at you. And I was like, yeah, it's not for you know my my uh, wanting to be on point for our episode. It's because. I really like this freaking movie, right? right? It's it's so good. It's really good. It, there are parallels to, and I say this, I bring up Mad Men like on every freaking podcast. Man. It's one of my It's appropriate shows. for this, for sure. I I think so. Yeah, it's for, for in in so many ways, right? Like the the general expectations for the roles of women, both maybe in the workplace, not so much, but in the house especially. Um, but then you also look at the discussion that I have seen, especially in recent years, about what Mad Men is versus what it isn't, mm. right? Like we, we've discussed before, like it is Mad Men, Mad Men, a show specifically championing, championing the idea of what it was like in that particular period to be a man and to, to drink your scotch and your cigar and to, uh, you know, gallivant around with, with, you know, beautiful women all day long, right? Is it really propping up those ideas? Um, or is it, kind of a feminist perspective just seeing the transitions that some of these characters these female characters make uh growing in their autonomy over this particular decade mm-hmm. and contrasting to men who tend to have their lives fall apart because of their various vices that they're too emotionally stunted to really take a look at right right and I, and so that's that's a discussion when it pertains to madmen that that often comes up when they often talk about the idea that it's really slow it's really subtle it's really you're just kind of watching 
a male soap that's not really overly dramatic. Mm -hmm. And I think in this particular film, it's kind of the same thing is that you're just kind of watching the, you know, the, the, the life of a woman who sees herself as being, uh, that can provide more to her family, uh, to her husband, to her community. Uh, but that the, those that are in power that are around her specifically don't want her to have that particular voice. Mm -hmm. Right. And the struggle that she experiences trying to resolve the idea that, you know, how far are they really willing to go to make sure that I don't have a voice? Right. Well, they're, Pretty damn far. Pretty gonna, fucking far. Know, <laughs> it's just... Your husband's going to kill you. Right. Right? Like, and, and I think we, we kind of alluded, you know, we talked about that a little bit, but when you really think about it, you know, how little you would think of a spouse that you join one little club, one little, uh, you know, yeah. treehouse. You know what we should do? Like, we should kill her and replace her with we a robot. Because she's hot and everything, so I get why you married her for that. So what if we just created yes. something that looked just like her uh, and then we murdered her? How about, how about our that? art like, friend over here? He can draw her perfectly. Like, look, look so, she looks great. So this is a um, this is a bit of the movie that I absolutely love. It's such a it's such a beautiful touch. So there's two things uh, that happen. There's the guy who's sketching her during this meeting and mm. creating this beautiful piece of art that looks just like her, um, and then you have the guy who's like recording the voices, right? So say all these phrases. Essentially, you find out later, so we can recreate your voice so it can sound just like you after we kill you. Um, but it's posited in this way first the the very famous artist who she adores so it's like it's very it's very alluring and it's 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 a mm. compliment right to be drawn by this man so you got that going for you and then the other guy with the um with the recording device is like it's like he's prefaced in this way like oh he's this man with like this project that he's working on he's like you know he's mm. really focused on this and it's something he really cares about and he's passionate so sure i'll help him out with this especially after i have a couple glasses of wine and everything else is going to shit why not right so it never feels right. forced right so it always mm. feels like oh you know you're making these choices you're quote unquote allowing this to happen um, so it's such a smart way to handle that. And, yes. you know, you bring up Mad Men is a really interesting poll because I remember when that show first came out and I immediately was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. I just know this is going to be great all the way through. And I was right. It just became one of the best television shows ever created. And this is back when I was married. And my wife at the time, now my ex-wife, made it through, I think, three episodes. And she was out. And she was like, yeah. I just, you know, no, it's like I'm not going to watch – you know, misogyny on screen. And I was like, that's not what's happening, though. Like, if you are watching this with a serious eye, you're realizing that that he's not a hero. Right. He is broken, irreparably. And it gets worse and worse as the series goes on. And it is a, it's a warning. That show is a warning mm. to men. Um, I actually liken it, and this is the easy example of something like this, right? Like something like Fight Club. Right. If you are just looking at it and you're like, oh, that Brad Pitt is cool, which he is, you know, same thing with John Hamm. John Hamm is cool. He's a cool motherfucker. There's no cool. right. there's no way around it. But if you're actually watching it and taking the message that it is actually putting down for you, you're going to realize like, oh, this, this motherfucker ain't cool. Like this guy, this guy is messed up and also kind of a monster. Like if you look at the yeah. way Don treats his wife in that movie or in that TV show, it's like. It's rough, man. And, like, I don't know how you watch anything past, like, maybe half of the first season and think this guy is someone you should emulate. Like, this is... I think for... Well, here's... The, 
when I think about that, and I agree with you, because I have the exact same sentiment, but my wife is very similar to your ex-wife, in that she, I think she got it maybe through uh, season one or so, but she still just couldn't get behind it. Mm. And here's, <laughs> when I think about the idea that, well, yeah, it's, I think, you know, for us, it's easier to consume this material and say, well, you know, he's you know, wanting to smack Joan on the ass or, or, you know, treat this secretarial as a throwaway. And I can wait for this overarching message that this is, you know, this is basically a PSA to not be an asshole. But if I'm a woman and not to, you know, put my place myself in that place, I have to be very careful there. Mm-hmm. But if I am a woman, and I go into this and I get through half of the first episode and I see what doesn't necessarily look like outright consequences for the behaviors of men. Uh, maybe I have a much shorter leash sure. on whether or not yeah. I'm going to be a part of this, right? Like right. maybe I don't want to watch this journey and say, well, I like it, that in the background, these women are growing and these men are falling apart. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I can't think, oh, or I don't think, oh, John Hamm is cool, so I'll stick around. Mm. Whereas for us, it's like, oh, I see the message, right? right? Like, I see the message, but I guess which is good because, like, ask her. we're the ones that need that message, yeah. right? So, so yeah, that's, yeah. I actually liken it to, like, so I, you know, some of my favorite movies are, you know, about the horrors of what white people have done to black people throughout, especially American history, right? And I watch it, and I've talked to other friends of mine who are film lovers who are black, and they're like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't watch that. Like, it's just, you know, right. and it's like, this is just, you know, the commodification of black pain. And it's something that, right. like, even though I'm watching it, and I'm sickened by what's going on on screen, I don't have that immediate connection to it. So I can mm. view it from this lens of like, well, this is the lesson we need to take. Whereas black folks are watching this, and they're like, man, fuck, I don't need this fucking lesson. Like, I have... I live this lesson. I live this lesson. Right? Yes. My family lived it throughout history. I'm still living it in different ways. Like if you want to talk about slavery becoming the 13th Amendment and how how that has worked out, it's like, man, I don't need – I don't need to know that fucking slavery is bad. Like I fucking know. Um, And I – but I've also known white people that said that and they probably still need that lesson. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, because, yeah, this extreme version of it is obviously bad, but you're not making the connections you need to make further down the line, right? Like, if I watch Mad Men, life isn't like that anymore. So I can say, yes, like, in the workplace, smacking a secretary on the ass is wrong. But the idea of, like, but truly treating women as equal in the workplace, not speaking over them in meetings, listening to right. their suggestions when they're a part of your groups, that is a more subtle message that you need to get. Right. Um, And this will be similar um, in the sense that, no, I don't think anybody. Well, let's let's change. I was going to say nobody wants this, but nobody would be willing to admit that they want this. There you go. Right. Um, But there are people who are like, yeah, but I just really like the gender roles to be stable. Right. Which is just code Mm -hmm. for like, I wish I wish women weren't so mouthy. You might as well be saying. It's right. the equivalent of I don't see see color. Right. Every, yeah. You know, what yeah. you're really saying is that I see everyone the same like band aid white yep. color. Yep. Right. Like yeah. that's what you really say. Exactly. You don't hear you you very rarely hear like minorities say say something like that because it's like I, I want you to just feel as though that you're default. Right. Um. And so when you hear men say, well, you know, just you know, these these roles, I mean, they're they're fine kind of the way they are. Well, they're fine for you. Right. From a place of privilege. 
Um, and Absolutely. I think that, you know, some, that's some of the problems that you run into. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, you know, even folks that would watch this film and then even listen to our, our episode on it, I think you would have some people that could feel as though we even went too deep into this stuff and that it's not really on that level. It's just kind of a fun flick about what would happen if you're, you know, if you lived in a community. If you're listening to this and you think this, (laughs) just delete this podcast. You're a fucking idiot. Like this is, it's, I mean, killing the numbers again. That's right. Uh, And I mean, (laughs) horror, and this is a horror film, you know, it's not a slasher Mm. film. It's not bloody, but it's a horror film. Horror is inherently political. It always has been. It always will be. So people who are out there being like, oh, well, I don't want politics in my horror movies. Too bad. It's there, whether right. you like it or not. Um, and, you know, as I as I think about this more and I watch this and I listen to you talk about this idea of like comparing this to colorblindness, it reminds me of something that I learned when I was when I was in grad school. We kind of talked about this idea mm-hmm. of. You know, white people, uh, especially white men, don't really have to be aware of anyone or anything. Um, But to be a black person in America, to be a woman in America is dangerous. Um, So you have to be on guard and be really aware. Like black folks and women know white men better than white men do. They're really aware of them because they absolutely have to be because they're constantly in a situation where if I take a wrong step – at a minimum, I could lose my job. This could be really uncomfortable for me. At a maximum, right. I could be killed. Right? So you have to sure. be really aware of the white as norm. Whereas like – It's the lessons you learn in your childhood. Right. Absolutely. Right? Like that's – Yep. Yes. Whereas like wh- white men especially, we don't really – like unless you're willing to put in the work, right? And some right. of us are, right. but many of us are not. If you're not willing to put in the work, you don't ever have to be aware of what it's like to be black in America, which is why you can just say like – Oh, I don't see color. Everyone's really mm. the same. And it's like, right. hey, you turned on the fucking news lately? Have you, have you, you know, looked at what happened just in the past year? Forget about going back to the fucking 17, 1800s. Like just in the sure. past year or two with police violence, which has been going on for decades and decades or centuries. I mean, it, literally the police started out as slave patrols. Like this is the roots of police in this country. But even, Forgetting all that and just dealing with what's been happening in the last couple of years, like just open your eyes, man. But the thing is, white men don't have to. We don't have to open our eyes no. because there is no risk for us, right? Well, I think that's inherently the place of privilege. If I don't mm-hmm. have to, or if there's a certain level of effort that that is involved, or I can explain certain situations away as as isolated incidents, um, then really when when I hear people talk about these things, I can say, well, I mean. You, you don't really have all the information. And that's the problem, right? Right. right. Is being from a place of privilege and, and thinking that you have all the answers. It's just to pure text. ignorance, like in its simplest form. And here's, you know, even connecting it back to the movie, the the moment in which Catherine Ross's character is, you know, walking around late at night. Um, and uh, the police officer walks up to her and he's like, you don't need to be walking around this area, you know, late at night, you know, with a lot of nice homes. And she's like, well, the reason we moved here from New York is so I could be able to walk around. And he specifically says to her, and I I don't remember her, her husband's name, but, but he specifically tells her, well, you and your husband are more than welcome to walk Mm -hmm. around. That's all. That's his response, right? Like, well, you, with your owner, right? Right. Right. You're going to be safe in that specific Mm -hmm. 
yeah. your keeper. Yeah. And so what he's essentially telling her, he's putting her again back in her place saying, well, as a woman, this is not something that you are particularly, uh, you know, supposed to be doing. Now, obviously we know in the film it's because she's getting too, she's sniffing around, right? She's getting too close to finding some things out. Sure. But, you know, taking it back to, from a societal perspective, it is the don't, don't move or act or engage outside of your expected role. Right. Right. Yeah. And so if you're not in a place of privilege, you have expected roles that you are, you know, to abide by. And when you don't and consequences do come, that's how we live in a society in which people, you know, blame the victim. Right. 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 Uh, we'll say, well, she, she shouldn't have been walking down that street that, that mm. is not well lit wearing what she was wearing. Mm -hmm. Because if she, you know, if she wasn't, this bad thing wouldn't have happened. Instead of saying, well, no, we, we need, we really need to examine in our society why we, you know, put the, the onus or the blame on the victims instead of teaching, you know, little boys not to turn into rapists, right? right. Like that's, that's, you know, that's the, the commentary that you could really sink your teeth into mm -hmm. with this film. And I think you do yourself a disservice if it, again, if you, if it's just, well, this is a fun movie about, you know, having the perfect spouse in a creepy sort of way. Ha ha ha. It's right. more than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of just to kind of wrap things up, um, you had mentioned this, you know, around the time this came out, like kind of these two kind of diametrically opposed ideas about this movie. Some saying that it was like, oh, this is actually really good for the movement and some saying this is really bad for the movement. And the fact that there are people that thought that this would make things worse really just hammers home the point of like how fucking terrible the men are. Things already were. Right. Mm, is that, yeah. you know, because if. If you believe that men would treat women as human beings, then seeing this movie, it would be obvious that one, this was a fantasy and ridiculous. And two, if someone did do this, that we would punish the men. But instead, it's like, right. no, once again, going after the victim, right? And you put it perfectly that we we train women from a really early age. Like we train little girls to not wear certain clothing and sometimes to not be around certain people. Um, and instead of, instead of saying like, don't be around the, you know, don't come around here, creepy guy. It's like, oh, don't right. act fast around him. Right. Cause mm. he might do something. Sure. Don't go places alone. Like I was never, I don't ever remember being told don't go somewhere alone as a, as a boy. Like that never happened. I, Cause I was a white kid. I wasn't told that. On, right. I was gonna say, I wasn't told that on the basis of my gender. Right. But right. I was told that on the basis of my skin tone, right? Very, very early on by my parents as a as a warning, as a no, you can't go to this bonfire that's down the street because uh, things change at night, real quick. And mm -hmm. uh, your your friends that are your friends at school, um, if there are kids up there that are doing stuff that they shouldn't be, as my dad would have said, if they're those boys are you know if they're up there drinking and partying, um, you go from being the friend at school to the to the little black boy real quick. Mm -hmm. And those were things that you learn, uh, you know, that at the time you think are maybe utterly absurd that you unfortunately you learn otherwise as you get older yeah and i think that's if only it was absurd like if only if only it was absurd right and same thing with this film if only it was so absurd that there wouldn't be men in, in 1975 that would feel as though that they were entitled to to discard their wife and to buy a newer model that looked the same but acted a lot better yeah Oof. um yeah. But it's a great movie. It is. It is. It <laughs> is a really a great, great movie. movie. It's a really rough movie to watch. Um, and I wish I could tell you our next movie was going to be lighter, but it won't be because I'm the worst. Um, so I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to make you sit, sir. I'm going to make you watch a long, long movie. And remember, you asked for this. 
You put this on your list. So really, you got no one to blame but Derek. Just like I have no one to thank but me, you have no one to blame but you. Um, so we're going to watch a movie from Akira Kurosawa. Pretty pretty good director. Kid's got a future. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, we're going to watch a movie that is loosely based on Shakespeare, um, which hmm. Kurosawa actually had a couple of these. Um, we're not going to watch Throne of Blood, which is a great movie that's based on Macbeth. Uh, but we are going to watch a movie that's based on King Lear called Ron. Um, so that is 162 minutes of beautiful filmmaking. So you are in for it, sir. So that is what. So next. we won't have another episode for four months. Yes. As I get around to <laughs> as you watch it this. in 15 minute increments. Yes, that's, that's what you did with Justice League. That's right. So I get to do the same thing. Basically with the same thing. Zack Snyder, Akira Kurosawa, same deal. So so get ready for that. Are you excited? Are you pumped? I am. I've I've seen the trailer before, and every time I, I watch it, and I've watched the trailer actually a handful of times, I've I've always wanted to really dig into it. But it, it is one where you're gonna have to carve out the time. So yes. now that you have picked this for me, I will um, certainly do that because I am a good co-host. Yeah, unlike unlike, unlike certain other people, uh, unlike some people. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so that is what is. Uh, what is on the table next? No pressure. It's got a meta score of ninety six out of a hundred. So you better like this movie, or we will we will fight. I will. I know where you live. I will drive to your house and probably get my ass beat because you got the reach on me. You are way too tall. Uh, but I just got to go for the knees first. That's that's. I'm five go. four, guys. Yeah, I'm five four. Oh, so, so we're the same height. That's nice. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media, um, your list pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow us there, and you can get us on obviously any podcatcher you have found us. Tell your friends, uh, steal their phones, and put our podcast on it. They don't even have to listen. Just give us a sweet, sweet download numbers uh, and we will talk to you next time when we talk about akira kurosawa's Love. all right hi everyone welcome back to another episode of i forgot the name of this fucking show what's it called your list your list my, my command, command. Right. unbelievable <laughs>